0: so good like this stuff can be so easy which sounds crazy because it's not but you know what God really sets like the ground before us like what he's done here this morning and the song and the testimonies like I feel like it it should make it really easy for me to speak today so I'm yeah thank you Lord the word that God has been speaking to me about the last couple of weeks or the thing that was in my head was about the glory of God God's glory and um, yeah it's a massive subject so I, I went to my Bible and I tried to study it and I read some stuff and it's loads of great stuff in the Bible about the glory of God I read about I think we spoke about it last week about Moses asking God to show him his glory and God says I'll have to put you in a cleft in the rock because you can't see my face because you cannot see my face and live and I thought. That's in Exodus, by the way, Exodus 33. It's a really good thing to read, about the glory of God. And there are great examples of God's glory in the Psalms. Um, and in creation, Like God's glory is shown in how amazing our world is and nature is. But really, what I realised once I'd done a bit of reading on it was that I just didn't have a clue. I just thought, I cannot put into words, I don't think, what God's glory is. And maybe that's the point, that it's kind of unfathomable, but it's there and it's true. And I think if God put it in my head, then it was right that he wanted me to to try and understand more about it, even if it's a subject that's deep and long and God's glory is true. So then I did read this and I thought, well, that's quite helpful, so let's try that. So I read something that said, God's glory is the physical presence, like the manifestation of God's holiness. So God's glory is the physical presence of God's holiness, i.e., like the way it shows itself. So God is holy, and the way that comes out is in God's glory. So, yeah, the two things are connected. So if we can understand how holy God is, then I think we can better understand his glory, So I thought, okay, I think that helps me a little bit because I think God's holiness is a little bit more easy to grasp for me. So I looked up some of the definitions of what the word holy was and the things I like to describe it was um, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. So God is holy and he's exalted, he's held high and he's worthy of our complete devotion of his holiness, because he is one that is perfect in goodness and righteousness. God is holy. And um, the word, I believe, holy, originates from a Germanic word for whole, like the wholeness of God. So um, I looked up my scripture for holy. And the one that came to me was what I got my daughter, um, Emily, to uh, beautifully calligraphy for me. So um, it's from Revelation. Um Jodie, you happy to read it for us, please? It's Revelation 4, verse 8. Sorry, 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 sorry. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Thank you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, I don't know that I could properly, accurately describe the book of Revelation. It's John's kind of going up to heaven and him talking about the end times and all this really, really clever stuff. But what he saw in his vision was of these creatures um, and they were singing... At all times holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I just thought there's something in that for me to grasp the holiness of God and that he is our Lord God Almighty, and something of the um the fact that he like travels through time. So he was and he is and he is to come. So I think there's a promise in that for us that he is holy and that he was around in the bible and he is around and he is to come we know jesus is coming so that he is to come so um the psalms are really good i think for teaching us and reminding us of god's holiness so um i'm going to start by reading just extracts cuz probably haven't got time to read the whole thing but the first one is from psalm 84 verse 10 and it says Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So good to understand his holiness. Like I would rather be a servant somewhere than live in a beautiful, I presume tents were like the highest of high in their day. Um yeah, so yeah, thank you, Lord. And then Psalm twenty-seven. Verse 4. Psalm 27 is such a good psalm. And um, the, yeah, so I'm going to read from verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, because he's holy. And then verse 13 of that same Psalm 27 says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So beautiful. One thing I will ask of the Lord, that I may dwell in his house all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him. So it made me think, what one thing would we all be asking of the Lord if we had our opportunity? What would be our one thing that we would ask and when I found this, when I was like thinking over this recently for my children, obviously, who are my most precious gift and my responsibility as they're, you know, still quite small. Um, my instinct was to say, like, oh, you know, I want them to be healthy, I want them to be safe, I want them to live in comfort, I want them to have loving, steady relationships. And all that stuff, like, I understand that all that stuff is good and right. It is what we pray for our children. But I realized the one thing is God. like He is our one thing. And um, so actually, in trying to be like a believer, a true believer and a mature believer, what I need to pray over my children is that they know him and pray over my family that we may all dwell in the house of the Lord together. And all the days of our life, all we need is to gaze on the beauty of him and seek him in his temple because actually that's our one thing we need because he's holy. And it's so easy to get caught up with me, 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 what I want. But I think what I was being shown was the answer is to focus on him, him, him. So, my hope is that um, if we can get into this place, and I think spending time with God is the answer, knowing him well, knowing the beauty of him, I think it will help us to give up. It's what Sylvia was talking about, I think, from the music to so lay down on the altar and to sacrifice. Things that we think are very dear to us and are very dear to us, and one of those things is the um, the need to understand, like for our minds to make sense of things. We live in the Western culture, and we we understand. We have lots of you know science, and we have an expectation of things working out in a way that makes sense to us, and them being able to be justifiable. Our children's generation is very different to say even my generation. The kids expect things to work. They expect things to be fair. They expect it's kind of the culture we live in. And um, really, I think if we're going to trust God, we're going to need sometimes to lay down that need to understand and our right to understand and everything to be explained and make sense to us because God is holy and his things and his ways are higher than our ways. And there is other stuff going on. There is an enemy. We have to understand where we live in. And then I read something about was it like when Eve was in the garden in the beginning, when they were living in paradise, was that the reason that she questioned God's authority and ate of the apple? I mean, I know she was coerced into it by by the snake, but was it Eve's need to understand that took her out of took her into disobedience? she wanted to know you know what did this fruit taste like that god had said they couldn't they couldn't have so it just led me to think that um as a summary god is not like us he is holy he created the universe and he created everything in it he doesn't need to explain or justify to us he is god and we are not his glory is so mighty We could not stand up under its power. Our ways, his ways, sorry, his ways are beyond our comprehension. We need to gaze at him and seek him and trust him. And I think if we do that, we we journey with God in this way, we could even hope to become like the three men in the book of Daniel. And we have mentioned it a few times. I know Josephine spoke about it. It's in Daniel 3, verses 6 to 30. But it's the three men who faced the fiery, they were facing the fiery furnace. And they were able to say, our God is able to save us, but even if he does not. I'm going to read from that. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. And I'm not going to get too much caught up on the pronunciations of their names. Because that will just throw me completely. So, although my daughter did suggest I use the Vegetals version. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the Vegetals version of this story. And it's, I don't know, Rack, Shack and Benny or something. So, anyway. So, the background of, um, of this particular bit of the Bible. Daniel has done really well. So, they're the, um, the, they are in exile so they're all spread out all over the place, the Jews. And um, Daniel has done well. He's, he's, I think this is set in Babylon. Daniel has done really well and impressed the king. He has um, helped him with a dream interpretation about a large statue. And the king was so pleased. The king made a, a big statue, a golden image of, of it. And um, this king proclaimed, when certain music is played, everyone must fall down and worship the image of God. And if you do not do it, you'll be thrown into the blazing furnace. This king is called King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, So, um, due to Daniel's favour in the kingdom, um, Daniel asks and three Jewish men are appointed to be administrators in in Babylon. And um, as Jews under the law at the time, under the commandments, etc., they could not worship any other gods. They've been told that was part of their religion, part of what we are told to do. And... um, Some of the people from the province soon reported them, went and grasped them up. So if I read from page 3, verse 13. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Ubednego. So these men were brought before the king and the king said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound, um, you should fall down and worship the image I made. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? So the three men replied to the king. with the three men, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took them up and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The king leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. The king approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted the men's names. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So they came out of the fire and all the advisers crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. The king said, praise be the God, praise be your God, who had sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that people of any nation or language who say anything against their God be cut into pieces, blah, blah. And the king promoted them in the province of Babylon. So they came out of the fire and no fire had harmed them and their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. My little girl Jasmine yesterday um, at school, they were doing something in the forest and they had a fire and they were doing marshmallows and she absolutely stunk of smoke and it really made me think God just totally protected, totally protected them. And um, the, the principle that they went into that situation we was with was our God is able to save us. They knew him, they knew God, they knew, but even if he does not, and that's giving up the right to understand because God is always good. And God is holy. We may not understand it, but he is good. So then, to end, I want to leave you with um, something I've been reading in a really good book. It's called Storylines. It's written by Andy Croft and Mike from Soul Survivor. And they wrote in this book, We might be sinners, but God loves us. So there's a tension in the Bible that's created by our sin. Because of his holiness, God cannot bear to look at us. But because of his love, God cannot bear to look away from us. So I'll just repeat that bit. Because of his holiness, God cannot bear to look at us. Because of his love, God cannot bear to look away from us. So that's why God sent us his son, his son Jesus, because he paid the price of our sin so that God could look on us and love us. So, Lord, I pray that as I've found loads of stuff out there talking, yeah, really large things like about your glory and about how holy you are, about us giving up the right to understand you, Lord. I just pray that you would, yeah, explain it to us more, Lord. May your Holy Spirit give us um, a real sense, even if it cannot be put into words, of who you are and what you want to do for us. And, um, Yeah, I thank you, Lord, that you love each and every one of us. Amen.